You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good afternoon, 1.30. How are we doing? That's what I'm talking about. I hope we're ready for action today. And would you help me in welcoming the amazing Amanda Lopez as she creates while I talk today. She's creating a little beauty there as we've been in this series called Imagine Heaven, in which we've been looking at near-death experiences, uh, and then we've been comparing those experiences with what the Bible says about heaven. In fact, over the past week, I've talked to three people in our church alone who have had or who are related to someone who has had a near-death experience. So these things are way more common than what I had believed. But last week, we saw how heaven is going to be our home. You know, a home is more than just a house, but it's a place where you belong, where you receive unconditional love. And I want to take you to the Scriptures just for a minute to remind you of the text that tells us about our home. That's going to be John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, uh, where Jesus says, "'Don't let your hearts be troubled.'" Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's what? Home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come to get you so that you always be with me where I am. And as Christ followers, we believe that we're going to trade this earthly reality for our real and tangible heavenly home a place of unconditional love. And when I think about homes, um, you know, I tend to think about my house because it's a great place of love and uh, all of that. But um, our house has kind of been a fixer-upper. And we live in this, uh, you know, older neighborhood of fixer-uppers. And some of you have been around here for a while know that I love that show called Fixer Upper, right, with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Have we seen this show? A few hands uh, there who've seen the show. Okay, you, you love the show, right? Because they take this family, and their house is all jacked up, you know, and it's dilapidated and everything. And then they take the family, and they fix up their house. And then at the big reveal, the reveal is the best part of the show. Like, I like it when it's on Netflix. I can just fast forward. I can see the reveal and uh, just get to the, the good stuff, right? And what they do is they put this big wall up that's like a picture of what the house used to look like, and then they, right before they roll it away and do the big reveal and they show them how awesome their house is now, uh, they're always asking them this question. And the question is, are you ready to see your fixer-upper, right? And I love that question. And I thought that would be a good question for today to pose to you as like the big idea for our conversation. Uh, but then I presented my talk to our team up here at the church, on the church staff. I always present my talks to our team so they can keep me from saying more stupid things than what I already do. And what, so, so what they said, rightfully so, was, Hey, Doug, you can't make the big idea be, are you ready to see your fixer-upper, even though you like that TV show? You can't say that. And the reason you can't say that is because, theologically speaking, um, it's not going to be a renovation when we get to heaven. It's going to be a transformation. It's not a renovation. It's going to be a transformation. It's not just going to be improving upon what we already have in our bodies and nature and uh, all of that, but it's going to be a complete transformation of what is to something completely new. So here's where I'm going to need your help as I present the new and improved big idea for our conversation today. And if you're ready, you have to say yes on this one when I get to it. Ready? Here we go. Are you ready to see your transformation? Yes. <laughs> that was okay. 
okay? Now, you were better than the last service, but you still weren't up to City Church down, down standards, okay? Look, what, this, this church is not just a bunch of uptight, uh, chill white people, okay? You, you gotta, like, when, when I present this to you, you gotta say it in a way that's worthy of uh, the truth that comes from the Scripture. Are you ready to see your transformation? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Okay, yeah. Yeah, you about blew me backwards there. That was pretty awesome. So, our culture presents a lot of ideas about what the afterlife in, in heaven's going to look like, um, and we see those in the media, right? We see the great classic art of The Simpsons, where there's going to be, like, Protestant heaven and Catholic heaven, you know? And then, so those of you who are Catholic or grew up Catholic or whatever, let me tell you a little secret. They're going to be Protestants in heaven. Okay, and then some of you who are Protestants, you grew up Protestants, and you thought the Catholics weren't, let me tell you a secret. They're going to be some Catholics in heaven as well. But, you know, there's, there's also this other book by this kid, um, story of this kid. It's called The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven, and it's the story of Alex Malarkey. Okay, that's a very unfortunate last name, isn't it, Malarkey? Okay, what's the deal with this kid's last name? But as it turns out, uh, Malarkey as a last name was actually a pretty good call there because some years later... Uh, Alex Malarkey admitted that he made up his whole near-death experience that he was supposedly had in the book, and he just said that to get attention. And that's why uh, in this series, we've only used stories of people's near-death experiences um, that don't have a financial motivation connected with it, or people whose stories can be validated by a reputable source, oftentimes a medical journal. And so this is one of the reasons we're recommending the book by John Burke entitled Imagine heaven, because in his work, Burke has weeded out those sensationalized stories of near-death experience, and he's looking at it from more of a scientific approach. And so, if you look in The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, he discusses how quantum mechanics and general relativity can only reconcile if there are six more hidden dimensions to our reality. And that's exactly what people who are having near-death experiences are describing as these other dimensions that we aren't able to experience here uh, on earth in our reality. And then there's the Cambridge and Princeton physicist James Jeans who wrote, the stream of knowledge is headed towards a non-mechanical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought than like a machine. And so it is something beyond what we are experiencing here in our earthly realities. And today, we're going to look at the beauty of heaven in three different facets. And the first facet of heaven I want to show you today is the beauty of nature in heaven. And I want you to take a look as, at nature as it's described by people who have had near-death experiences by way of video. Take a look. So take us back to that day. You saw the 18-wheeler come. What was the next memory you had? Well, I took my last breath on the bridge, and I was, uh, my next breath was at one of the 12 gates of heaven. I'm looking through the gates. I'm looking down the street. There is a river that flows from this, this throne or this hill that's high and lifted up. And I know that's the river of life because we're told that it flows from the throne of God. So uh, many of the things that we know and enjoy and love here uh, are visible there as well. Um, I would say this, and, and um, heaven's never going to be less than this. It's always going to be more. Yeah. In heaven, it's all big. I mean, it, it so far transcends any words that we can happen, that we could come up with here. If you want to talk about uh, uh, meadows and flowers and beauty and, 
If you want to talk about Did trees. Did you see that? Oh yes, they're just magnificent, except that they are so brilliant and so vivid as to really defy description. So you live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, one of the most beautiful places on earth. How did that compare to the, this beautiful path leading to heaven? One of the problems that I and most people had when they came back from a near-death experience is that even the most intense beauty here on earth, even the most intense love here on earth is very, very pale in comparison to the intensity of the love and to the intensity of the beauty in God's world. Everything was far more intense. The colors were beyond anything we could ever experience here. And so as you think about some of the most beautiful places on earth that you've seen, how would you describe those places using your words? Do you remember the first time you ever saw the ocean? Do you remember when you stood there on that beach and looked out over that water and thought how vast this is? Some of you have seen the Rocky Mountains. I remember the first time I ever saw the Rocky Mountains. I got out, I had to stop the car and just get out and look at it. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You think about the most beautiful things on the planet that you've seen. Anybody been to Disney World? Anybody? Disney World, Disneyland, see some hands up there? Okay, that's a magical place, isn't it? And I brought a picture today. And that's a nice picture, right? But it's only two-dimensional. And it can only really describe Disney uh, in a small little window. And that's very much like what we're experiencing now is that even the most beautiful places on earth that you and I would say are just blow us away are like a black and white two-dimensional representation of what we're going to see in the future in heaven with Christ. It's going to be amazing beyond what we can dream. And if you go back in the Bible, you'll see before what's called the fall of humankind, the environment that God created us to dwell in, to thrive in. He created a garden for the man and the woman. Now, sin, when sin came into the world, it polluted everything. It polluted our emotions. It polluted our spirits. It polluted the physical environment as well. But let's go back and see what things were like at first. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. And one of the things that I felt like was interesting about people who have near-death experiences is they can't quit talking about nature as they saw it in the afterlife, the trees and how beautiful the trees were. And one of the things that was interesting is that many people talked about the grass, how it was like the, the grass as they walked by and saw it. You thought, what a mundane, common kind of thing to make much of. But they talked about how the grass is like pulsating with light and even with love, which seems strange to be. Now, there's a guy named Dale Black, who's an engineer. He was also a pilot, and he's been the leader of several multi-million and multi-billion dollar corporations. And he, years ago, had a near-death experience after a plane crash that he was involved with, but somehow lived through. And listen to Captain Black describe what he saw in his near-death experience. So... I want you to describe, since we're talking about the beauty, 
the beauty of the surrounding landscape around the city and in the city and the What's funniest thing is you're asking me who, you know, I grew up with machines and I, I enjoy machinery and, and then there's nothing like that in heaven, of course. There's, no, there's nothing mechanical there that I was aware of or never saw. But it's all made by God and it's all made into perfection. Uh, how do you describe it? it? Everything's perfect. I remember the first thing I noticed uh, coming into the city was, if I may, just the grass. The, the grass was so incredible. Uh, I mean, it, it just, it was an aha moment, we would say. I just took my breath away because I, I never seen grass that was wild and perfectly manicured, yet mankind, no human being, no angel had had to touch it. Light came through the grass from the source of the light, which is God himself. It pulsated in the, in the grass itself. Every blade was not met, bent or twisted. It was perfection. It looked more like velvet. And that's just the grass. <laughs> <laughs> so the grass in heaven is even going to be amazing. But one of the things that people want to know is, will there be animals in heaven? In fact, a couple of years ago, uh, I did a, a couple of teachings on heaven, and it was uh, from a way different angle than what we're doing in this series, but I remember one of the biggest questions I had during that series from people was, will my deceased pet be in heaven with me someday? Well, uh, according to people who have had near-death experiences, the answer to that question is yes. And then if you look at the Bible, you'll see how important animals are to God. In the very beginning of the Bible, you'll see that God created Adam and Eve in the garden. He placed them there. Then he made the animals for uh, the humans to name and to manage. And if you look further in the Bible at Noah's flood, when the earth was going to be destroyed by a flood, God had Noah create an ark and fill it with what? Animals, okay? Then you see when Jesus is going to be born in the earth, he was born in a manger surrounded by animals. Then if you go back into the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, you'd see in Proverbs 12:10 it says the godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. We also see animals mentioned in the future millennial kingdom of heaven in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 6, which says in that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe from the lion and the little child will lead them all. Isn't that a, an amazing picture of animals in the kingdom? Now, uh, several of you in the room, like me, are dads of little girls. And those of us that are dads of little girls, we know the power that they have, do we not? It's awful. I hate it. It's like they're using the force on us. And what they do is, is they bring in these little animals into our homes, don't they? They'll find a stray kitten in the neighborhood like my daughter did just two weeks ago. That's why we're the proud owners of this little kitten about this big right now because my daughter came in and used her powers on me. She held this thing up and they look up at you with those big eyes and they say, Dad, can I please keep this little kitten? You know, it's like they're using the force. Dad, you will take in the kitten now. You will give me all the resources available needed to care for this kitten. And I just had no power over it. And those of you who are dads of daughters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're powerless before them, aren't we? Does it make sense that God's a pretty good father? 
Look with me at Matthew 7, 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Look, God is a perfect father. And I can totally picture God having your deceased pets there in the kingdom of heaven with you. And if God doesn't allow animals into heaven, it will be completely inconsistent with everything else we've seen written about God's relationship to animals throughout the entirety of the Bible. In fact, I've read authors who write about heaven who believe there will probably be animals who have become extinct now. So we perhaps will see the dinosaurs walking among us in heaven and they won't eat us. So if you get to heaven someday and you see some dude riding by on like a T-Rex and he's got these like Dogs and cats on his buff superhero shoulders. You can just say to the people near you, there goes Pastor Doug right there. Because that's been one of my dreams about heaven my whole life is to ride a T-Rex with all my past pets riding on my shoulder uh, in heaven. So uh, if you can imagine that. Um, so um, not only are we going to see uh, the, the beauty of the animals and nature in heaven, but the architecture and the beauty of the city of heaven is going to be an amazing thing to, to behold. Take a look at this, the beauty of the city of heaven um, in Revelation chapter 21. Now, as we study, as we read through this passage, every time the word city comes up, I want you to say that word city out loud with me. Are you ready for this? Here we go through Revelation 21, 10. So he took me in the spirit to the great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates, guarded by 12 angels. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. Does that sound like an amazing place? Now, take a look on video at the, uh, Captain Black describing what he saw in his near-death experience of this great city. I saw this city of gold uh, in quickly, uh, this golden, brilliant, uh, it, it was white light in the center, but it moved out and it was a, a ball of heavy, thick gold light. And all the colors in the rainbow were in the white, but what I saw was the white and the gold, and as I got closer and closer, uh, Pastor John, I, I knew that this was the city, a holy city. I knew I was in heaven. You're, I, you're looking, you're coming, like flying into a city. Yeah, yeah, flying into a city, uh, approaching uh, and decelerating and descending. Why God oh, would do only that? Only God for, would do that for a pilot, right? 
Does that mean I'm going to be kicking a soccer ball through the gate? <laughs> it, it, it means that we're going to have to go through flying lessons here pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> it, it, did it feel like flying? I mean... No, there was no sensations of G-forces or, or uh, uh, physical distortion of the eyes squinting, none of that. There was no discomfort in, in any way, but... But travel was extremely fast, and then it began to slow down as I got near what I called the city of God. I, I knew it was the city of God, and I knew God reigned here, but he was in the light. And it was on the other side, there was a, a wall around the city. How big was the city? Uh, the city was huge, way larger than anything like Paris or London or Beijing or anything, Mexico City, way bigger than that. And what, what I saw, and I'm able to kind of quickly judge distances, you know, because you're trained to do that, but about 40 miles into the city, way back beyond the wall, uh, there was an event going on that is, uh, it's easy to describe when I write it, you know, because I can write better than I can speak, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, of course, the mountains and the flowers and the air, all the things that uh, you've mentioned before. But there was this humongous, crowd of people and angels that I was able to see from a long, long way away. Over, I was looking over the wall, but still on the outside of the city. And this group of people and angels were moving with the music, and they were moving in praise and swaying with the music and talk about oneness and unity and love. There, there's life in music. There, there is, there, the light is full of life and, and love, and it's light that's palpable, it's thick, it, it's, uh, it has substance and weight to it, and all the colors in the rainbow are in it, but that light, and I knew it was coming from God. I, I knew it. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew this was God. I mean, it's like you would say here on the earth, well, duh, you know. <laughs> it's God. The light comes from God, but in that light is the love of God. How do you describe the love of God? Well, you spend a lifetime trying to do that. It's unconditional love. It's not based on who you are, what skills or talents you have, how much money or success you have. It's based on just the fact that you and I are the creation of God, and he loves us. He loved me, and I could hardly... I told myself I wouldn't cry this time. <laughs> you know what? I... You know, you know what's so awesome? So what is it about a city that emanates with love that makes an engineer start crying about an experience that he had years ago? It was such an impact on his life. Are you ready to see that city? Are you ready to see the new creation, the new earth, your deceased pets? But it doesn't end there. So you get a new physical body, and I want to show you the beauty of your body in heaven if you look uh, at the scriptures, you'll see that in the afterlife, we're going to have physical bodies. We're not going to be like ghosts in that. If you 
uh, read through the Gospels, you'd see where the Gospel writers explain to us that Jesus, after the resurrection, had a physical body, and people could see the scars in his hands and his feet. I believe that will probably be the, uh, some of the few scars that are in heaven, but those scars will be beautiful to all of us because it will represent how he purchased our souls so that we could make it into uh, the kingdom of God in those days. But Jesus was physical after he resurrected. He was physical, yet he could walk through walls. So I'm totally going to do that when I get there, right? I mean, I'm just going to like show up at your place, you know. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> just wanted to chat for a while. Um, Pastor Doug here. But, but he was physical in that he could make food too. So after Jesus rose again from the dead, remember how he made like fish tacos one morning for his disciples after he resurrected. And uh, that's why we believe that food is a good thing of the kingdom, isn't it? Tribes eat together, and food represents fellowship, love, community. That's why every year we have this event called the Taste of San Antonio, where we bring food that represents our community, and we share with each other. It's like a church potluck on steroids. You know, my friend Pedro explained to me why his grandmother's tortillas are just better. He said they're not like the ones that just come off the machine, right? Because each one was made by hand with love. And every time my grandma pushed down on that tortilla, it's like she's putting love into the very food that our family would eat. And so if you're not already signed up to bring that special dish that you make, you, dude, come on. It's time to sign up today for Taste of San Antonio event coming in a couple of weeks. Go through the lobby, sign up. The objective is to get Pastor Doug to gain 10 pounds in one Sunday. You can do it, right? So we're going to have these great bodies in the future, and I want to show you this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on the heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on our heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Don't we? You know, some of us are groaning more than others. But it's not that we, don't want to, that, that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up in life. So do you ever wish that you could get a new body? You know, uh, yeah, someone was really fired up. Someone's ready for that uh, right now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some have physical ailments, right, where you wish you didn't have that physical ailment anymore. Um, we're going to get these brand new bodies, you know, and people sometimes get nose jobs and liposuction and all that because a lot of us aren't satisfied with our bodies and the like, and we're all going downhill, aren't we? I mean, some of you are really cool right now, and you say, hey, I look in the mirror, and I think I look pretty good, right? And you fit into those great designer jeans, but someday you're going to fit into those really great Depends undergarments, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, others, it's like, you got really cool hair now, and it looks all awesome and everything, but you're like me. I mean, my, my forehead is like the rainforest. It just keeps receding, you know? We're all going downhill. It's happening to all of us, but someday that's going to change. In fact, recently... I had this vision, you know, of what our worship pastor is going to look like in his heavenly body. Take a look on the screen, and you'll see Jake, our worship pastor, and what he's going to look like in heaven. See? He's going to be Captain America. But, um, you know, there's going to be no chemical imbalance when you get to heaven. 
and those that have to take meds to keep emotions regulated and under control, you won't have to deal with that anymore. There'll be no more cancer, no more Zika virus. I'm voting for no mosquitoes in heaven, no Ebola, no ADD to keep you chill, no diabetes or teenagers, no more zits or acne that you have to deal with, no more flu or asthma or love handles or ear hair, no more of these, you know, one of the things I want to change about myself is like no more parentheses legs, you know, they're skinny, uh, look like parentheses, you know, because they're bowed. But one hope that you can have is maybe God will give you amazing eyebrows in heaven like mine someday. Glorified eyebrows for everyone in heaven. Can you fit eyebrows onto that painting, Amanda? Don't mess it up. Uh, that could happen when we get there. But let me ask you the question, are you ready to see your transformed body that will be more amazing and more beautiful than any supermodel that you can picture on television, the internet, or a magazine, right? That's going to be you. Yeah, someone's down with that, right? Yeah. If you're ready to see your transformation, then here's what you do now. You give people a glimpse of heaven now. Have you ever heard the slogan that some religious people are so heavenly-minded they're no earthly good? Well, we're trying to turn that around and become so heavenly-minded we're more earthly good. That's why I like what Pastor Tim Keel says, that heaven is not the point of salvation, it's the outcome of salvation. And we want to show people glimpses of heaven by serving them here on the earth, right? That's why we want to do things like care for our physical environment. We want to care for the creation by practicing common sense environmentalism on the planet. Uh, that's why we want to prepare good food to give people a taste of heaven and community here on the earth. That's why we want to mentor children in Kids City and at City Youth on Wednesday nights. That's why we want to serve homeless families at Strong Foundation Ministries for Homeless Families just a couple of blocks from here. That's why some of you choose to go and cut your neighbor's grass when he's not expecting it just to give him a break during the week from having to do that bit of work. That's why we initiate spiritual conversations with our friends and neighbors and loved ones about Jesus so they know the way to get into this great heaven. Now look, I live, like I said earlier, in an old neighborhood, a bunch of old houses, and one of the things that's interesting to me about walking through my neighborhood as my wife Jeannie and I take these little walks, you know, in the evenings, and we get to know the other people in our neighborhood, you know, like our next-door neighbors who just bought the fixer-upper next-door young couple, and they're all excited about it. But we go around, we meet these people, and what's interesting to me is people always invite you in. I'm like, hey, we just met, and you're inviting me into your home. They invite me in, and they show you all the things that they've done. They're so excited to show you everything they've done to renovate their old house. And they're like, hey, we painted these walls, and hey, look here how we salvaged the original wood floors, you know, and you can see these beautiful wood floors. And it's like, hey, look at the shiplap on the walls and all the things that we were able to repurpose and work into the, the, the redesign of this home. And it's amazing to watch. Everybody is proud to show that stuff off. Well, then we get these new neighbors that, that they can't move into the house next door yet because it's going to take like six months to renovate the house next door to us. But we got to chatting it up over the fence, you know, and we hit it off, and they invited us to a party that's going to happen like six months from now when their home is finally transformed. And that's going to be a great time where they're celebrating their new home 
their new environment to live in. And there's going to be good food and good drink. And I can't wait to go to that party. It's going to be a really great time. And when I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's what our church is all about, isn't it? We're looking forward to a great party in a completely transformed environment where we live in our eternal homes. And we're about right now inviting people to get a glimpse of it. And right now, we're inviting people to be there for the party someday. We don't want to just sit there in our new environment by ourselves. We want to invite the people that we care about. And I want to ask you, have you ever sat down and initiated a spiritual conversation with someone that you love to ask them if they know they're going to be there someday? Have you ever considered, like, I'm going to invite someone. If I don't know what to say, I'll invite them to church so we can at least use that as our starting point of a conversation about Christ. But here's the part that some of you are not going to like. There are people in this room right now who will not be there as of right now. And the reason for that is because one has to choose to believe that Jesus Christ on the cross for your sin in order to get into this heaven. There's no other way. There's no other way than Jesus. And I think it would be totally appropriate for us to bow our heads and close our eyes now in prayer because you want to be there. And as we bow before God, we want you to understand as we pray now that I didn't bring that up just to shake my finger at you in judgment. I brought that up because we love you and we want you to be there. That's why we're willing to say something about it. And so perhaps you're feeling drawn to God now by his spirit. I want you to pray to God just in your own heart, just between you and him, if you'd like a relationship with him and like to know that you're going to be there. Just say in your own heart between you and God, look, God, I know I've sinned, and for that, I ask for your forgiveness, and I know that I can't do enough good religious deeds to pay for my own sins. So I choose right now to simply believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died there to erase my sins and make me a new creation. He died there to make something beautiful out of my life. He died there, according to the scriptures, to make me into a masterpiece, prepared for good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. And so, God, I welcome you into my life. And God, the rest of us who have known you for many years, we pray that you would continue to transform us and make us into something beautiful to reflect your glory here on the earth. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.